Hey, this is Pastor Rob Miller from Reclamation Church. Just want to say thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We pray that this message is completely life-giving and life-changing and that you take the blessing of the Word of God with you everywhere you go this week and pour into somebody else around you. Be blessed as you listen to this week's message. I just want to welcome you today. Y'all, y'all are in for a treat because... I've only got like half of my normal note pages. <laughs> Brett was like, great. We should be out of here by 1115. I don't know about that. I just looked at the clock. <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm actually really excited to, to bring this word today. If you've paid attention at all in the past few weeks, I kept saying that we're jumping into John chapter 3. I've said that how many weeks now? Three weeks Y'all, don't call me a liar, but we're not jumping into chapter 3 today. Amen? I'm not a liar. It's just the Holy Spirit changes things. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow the lead of the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, you can blame Caleb for this. Caleb, raise your hand. Let everybody know. So if, you get, if, you get, if you're mad that we're not in chapter 3 yet, this is his fault. I'm kidding. Are y'all awake today? We're jumping into, we're finishing John chapter 2, and that's because our midweek reflection uh, this past Wednesday night, we dived deeper into Sunday's message, and uh, we went a little deeper into chapter 2, and uh, God really spoke to us Wednesday night, and I was like, man, I have to preach on this before we even dive deeper into the series. We need to cover this. Um, So I wanted to dive into this uh, today. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and get ready and turn with me to John chapter 2. We kind of talked about this last week with Mother's Day. And uh, Jesus turning the water into wine, his first recorded miracle, how mothers play an important part in their child's life and believing that there's a calling on their child and enabling the calling on their child. Uh, so if you missed that last week, uh, you can go to our YouTube page, YouTube channel, our podcast, listen to it. I encourage that. Moms, we love you. Uh, let, let's just say this. Moms, you're not like just relegated to one day of honor. Can I say that? We love you always. So thank you for being mom. And thank you for believing in us. Amen. Um, So yeah, we're going to continue this series today on Believe. We're in part six. We're still in chapter two. But it's it's good. I'm I'm believing that this is going to be a good message today. How many of y'all are ready? Amen. So our theme verse for this entire series is coming out of John chapter 20, verse 31. It says this, but these have been written. That's everything that John writes in this Bible, in, this, in his book, the Gospel of John. All of these things have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. What does that mean? Life in his name. And we've been saying this over the last few weeks. To be a believer means to one, you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And number two, you live your life in such a way that proves and demonstrates that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that you live in submission to Him. Uh, And and so when it says that you have life in His name, I want to dig a little deeper into that just for a moment. Uh, Life in His name, uh, you can look at it in three different ways. One, we have life abundantly. John chapter 10, we fast forward a little bit into the series, Jesus says that the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I have come to give you life abundantly. In other words, not just an ordinary life, but an extraordinary life. Can we be extra for Jesus? I want to be extra for Jesus. Amen. Uh, Not only that, but we have life in relationship with God. 
That love of God that we just sang about, that we just worshiped God about, that we just read about from Paul in Romans chapter 8, that nothing can separate us from this love, this life in relationship with God. So that's another part of life in his name. And, and of course, we have life eternally with Jesus Christ. But I want to talk about this just for a minute, just a kind of a little different look at it. We have life in his name. How many of y'all know somebody really famous? You do? Who do you know? Huh. I know Jesus. There you go. I'm famous, right? Jesus is famous. No of, no, personally, sure. Okay, let, let me put it this way, right? Let me put it this way, right? If you knew somebody who had access to something, maybe backstage, you wanted to go see your favorite artist and you know somebody who can get you backstage, or, or you wanted to go meet Tom Cruise and you know somebody who knows Tom Cruise and they can get you access to meet Tom Cruise, right? You become buddy-buddy with that person. Hey, right? Let me go meet Tom Cruise. Anybody want to meet Tom Cruise? I don't. Tom Brady, Lord have mercy, no. <laughs> right? Uh, back, backstage to your favorite band. And, and so what I want you to see here is that we have life in his name, meaning that we have access to heavenly things through Jesus. In other words, we can name drop. In the name of Jesus, let this be done. So when we live life in his name, it has an uncommon uh, favor you could say, or access to something that's deeper than this normal life. I have life in his name. In other words, we, remember we talked about a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago with the following, right? And I had Donovan up here. And when we come to follow him, we get behind him. So I follow in the very footsteps of Jesus Christ. So when people see me, they see Jesus in front of me. So I have life in his name. So when people see me, they see Jesus. And so I live life in his name. And I have access to all of the supernatural. I have access to all that is heavenly here on this earth. I don't have to wait to go to heaven to have heaven come here. Amen? Amen. Does this make sense? So we have life in his name. Uh, and so that's what I want us to see as Christians, that we don't just live an ordinary life. We can name drop. And if you haven't name dropped Jesus, I want you to try it sometime. In the name of Jesus, be healed. In the name of Jesus, be delivered. In the name of Jesus, be set free. I know that I'm taken care of because Jesus takes care of me. He's my provider. He take, name drop every once in a while. Get that access to heavenly things. So not only are we supposed to believe that Jesus is Christ, we're supposed to live, be living in this uncommon access, an extraordinary access to a heavenly lifestyle, heaven here on earth. Amen. But it's not like this transactional favor kind of thing. It's not like, Jesus, I need this. I think that's where we get a lot of things mixed up in, in our Christian walk, in our Christian life. We, we want this transactional relationship. In the name of Jesus, let this be done. But we don't even know who Jesus is. It, 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 let me, let me uh, this is free. It, it's like the, the uh, it's somewhere in Acts. I wish I had it. It's free, though, because I don't have it on top of my head. Um, it, it, in the book of Acts, we see these, these followers of Paul that knew who Paul was, and they had seen Paul cast out demons, and they hear about this demoniac, they hear about this person who's possessed, and they, they, they come and say, in the name of Paul, in the name of, of Jesus, be gone. And that demon looks him square in the face, Brett, and says, Paul, I know. Jesus, I know. 
but who are you? See, they weren't living life in his name. They may have believed in Jesus and what everything he had gone through and what he did in the resurrection, but they weren't living life in his name. They didn't have that access to uncommon favor and heavenly things and the supernatural. Amen? So do you know him? It's not about having that access to get things. It's about having that access to the one who does the things. Not for our benefit, to get things in our hands, to get the blessings, right? But to live in him, to have that life in him, to know that we are taken care of. Is this speaking to anything to anybody? So it's favor that is relational. In other words, we walk in the authority and in the character of Jesus Christ. Amen? And our character is only developed by being in relationship with him. And, and many of you, maybe you're married or you spend a lot of time with friends and uh, you begin to adopt some of their uh, mannerisms, right? Maybe you begin to, to act like people in a certain way after hanging out with them for a while. Uh, I know that my wife, Adrian, we went to Germany, we went to Colorado, and she lost her southern accent. But the moment... The moment we would come home to visit family, hey, y'all, <laughs> it comes back. And, and I'll be honest, if I'm around people that have a Southern, I just adopted to, anybody else like that? Like, I'll be at home, I'm, I'm talking Southern right now, maybe, I don't know. Am I? Maybe. maybe. I'll be at home and I'm just talking and, and I go around people and I just can't help but adopt the way that they speak. I'm waiting for y'all to start coming up with your own robisms. And making up your own Robbie Keller vocabulary. Robulary. Everybody. There you go. See? We begin to adopt the mannerisms and characteristics of the people that we're close to. As a matter of fact, even look at our, our daughters, our, our your children. It's so easy to point out, uh, hey, that's, that's Adrian's daughter. Or that's Robbie's daughter. Right? Or, or that's Priscilla's daughter or Priscilla's son. It's, it's evident that they are our children because they have a lot of mannerisms like us. And it's the same when we are in Jesus Christ and have a relationship with Jesus Christ. We begin to show the mannerisms and characteristics of Jesus Christ. But that only happens when you're in close relationship with him. When you're in close proximity to him. So I want to continue reading this in John chapter 2. Um, if you look at me with verses 13 to 17, we're going to read four, four, four verses today. I'll have it on the screen behind me if you don't have it. Uh, but it says this, the Passover of the Jews was near. This is right after Jesus turned the water into wine that we talked about last week. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem and he found in the temple those who were selling oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers seated at their table. And he made a scourge or scourge of cords and drove them all out of the temple. Sometimes you just have to ask, what would Jesus do? And, you know, making a scourge of cords is not out of the realm of possibilities. <laughs> and he drove them out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen, and he poured out the coins of money of changers and overturned their tables. And to those who were selling the doves, he said, take these things away, and I want you to listen to this, stop making my father's house a place of business. And 17 says, his disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. Now, let me set this up just for a moment. 
This is Passover week, so you have people all over the region, all over the area, from different areas uh, of the Middle East, of, of the, of the, of the uh, different countries around Israel, and they're coming in to celebrate Passover here in Jerusalem. And, and so sometimes it was too hard to bring your own sheep or to bring your own ox or bring your own animals from these faraway places. So what the, the priests and the, and the Sadducees had done is they had set up these little businesses outside of the temple uh, as a means of convenience. In other words, these families who were coming from faraway lands, they didn't have to worry about bringing their own sacrifice. They could come and purchase a sacrifice for the week. And this happened uh, over, uh, over a period of years. And as the years grew, uh, as the years went on, these, uh, this, these little small businesses grew in corruption. These Sadducees and priests would end up uh, selling um, uh, animals for a higher price than their value. Matter of fact, they would even, people would come in from faraway places that had uh, foreign gods or rulers imprinted on their coins and that wasn't allowed in the temple so they had to exchange that's where you see here the money changers they had exchanged those coins for temple coins for temple currency and so the inflation rate on the exchange rate was absolutely ridiculous these people were in, in corruption stealing from people and not only that but the the sacrifice the animals that had to be sacrificed had to be pure or clean or without blemish and what happened was these priests and these these, these businesses were selling uh, animals that were not clean or not pure, had blemishes, had defects, and selling them at the same price as the pure. They were selling what was impure at the same price as the pure. And so, so we see this, this convenience kind of invading the temple. But I want to talk today about a difference between convenience and conviction. So your relationship with God, you being a temple of the Holy Spirit, cannot be surrounded by convenience. It has to be all in conviction. What you believe, you have to be consumed in your belief. Because if you walk around on a convenient belief, you walk around with shallow beliefs. And you are easily manipulated and easily swayed to believe anything else. So I want to talk about today about going deeper in our faith and deeper in our beliefs and being convicted and consumed with our beliefs today. Listen, you cannot settle for convenience. These people had settled convenience for the convenience of these sacrifices which could be bought, which led to this corruption in the temple. And it's, it's just easier to do it this way. It's just easier to do it when I have time. It's just easier to come to church when I feel like it. It's just easier to give when I have more, more money in the bank. It's just easier to, to, to give of my time, talents, and treasures when I feel like it rather than when it's needed. We have to fight the spirit of convenience. And that's hard because today, life is convenient. We can order something on the internet and it's here in a day and a half. I ordered something yesterday, it's supposed to be here tomorrow. I ordered something this morning before church. It's supposed to be here tomorrow. That's convenient. I could put food in the microwave instead of waiting an hour for the crock pot. I can have it in 15 seconds. Convenient. Guys, we don't even have to go into Walmart anymore for our groceries. We just pull up to a parking spot and let people load our groceries for us. How convenient. 
Life today is all about convenience. But here's the problem with convenience. If, if we live a life full of convenience, then we've lost the purpose of relationship. We lose the opportunities to minister to people. We lose the opportunities to use our gift, our talents, and our treasures to walk in our anointing and to, to allow the Holy Spirit to move through us. But listen, it may be easier but easy never included sacrifice. And relationships are all about sacrifice. Think about it. If you're married, you sacrifice a few things for your wife or for your husband. There's some things that you put off. There's some things that we don't agree with, so one of us has to give. One of us has to sacrifice the thing that's in between us. Even in your relationship as friends, even at your relationships at the workplace, relationships are all about sacrifice. And if I'm going to follow Jesus, I also need to know where following Jesus leads me to. See, sometimes we get so focused on heaven. If I follow Jesus, man, I'm going to make it to heaven. Jesus ascended into heaven. If I follow Jesus, I'm going to heaven. But we forget that there is this important step in between earth and heaven, and that's the cross. If we're going to follow Jesus, we have to remember that there's a period of the cross in our life. There's, we, we have to, we, let, me, let me say it this way. We always want the abundance of heaven without the turbulence of the cross. Sometimes life has to get a little uneasy. But I want to encourage you, don't give up. Don't stop. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. We have to understand there's got to be a time of sacrifice in our life. There has to be a time of, of uneasiness. But we know that God causes all these things to work out together for our good. It, there has to be some times where, where Jesus comes in and just upends some tables in our life. And uses a scourge of cords to discipline us and bring us back into alignment with him. Does it hurt? Yes, discipline hurts, but it helps. I know this is heavy today. It's hard, but I want you to hear this. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow him. And this is what I love about Jesus. When Jesus makes an entrance into your life, he begins to disrupt some things because some things got to give. The things that are not in line with him needs to be taken out of your life. And we can look at 2020, we can look at 2021. There's so many things that have disrupted our life, that has disrupted the convenience of life. But rather than complain about it, what if we, and rather than becoming complacent about it, what if we went deeper and were consumed with the Spirit of God and the will of the Father? Look what Jesus says in verse 16 after he flips the tables. He says, stop making my Father's house a place of business. It's, it's like Jesus was saying, you need to understand that this is supposed to be personal, not transactional. Personal, not transactional. Look at the definition of a transactional relationship. This is this. A transactional relationship is a relationship where both or all parties are in it only for themselves and where partners do things for each other with the expectation of reciprocation. Almost all relationships start here. And people tend to date a person because of what they get out of it. 
In other words, it's a transactional mindset that, that got us to come to Christ. We hear that, hey, it, Jesus can, can give you hope and peace and grace and, and, and give you a hope for a future. And that's that transactional mindset. Wow, I really, I really want that for my, for my life, for my, for my family. Wow, I really want to go to heaven. So there's this transactional mindset. But the problem is you're not meant to stay in the start of this relationship that got you there. And so, so many of us as shallow Christians say in this transactional mindset where I just want what Jesus can do for me. But he, you're, you're meant to go much deeper than that. And I say this, I don't know how many times, you should never be satisfied with your current relationship with Jesus Christ. We should always be hoping and pursuing to go deeper. And far too often we get roped into, into wanting to see the ability of God without even knowing who he is. We treat God like a slot machine. I heard that a few weeks ago. We treat God like a slot machine. We pull the lever and we hope for the best after we put a coin in. We put a coin in, we give a little bit, and we hope for so much more rather than giving our all and not expecting anything in return. Because that's what Jesus did. Jesus gave his all. Jesus gave his all without any expectation of anything in return. And that's the same mindset that we should have when it comes to our relationship with Jesus Christ and following who he is. If we're going to believe that Jesus is the Christ and to follow him, we have to be all in and we have to make it personal. Convenience never demands sacrifice and Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. How many of us are swapping out the ultimate sacrifice for a generic version of it, for a momentary hope, momentary motivation, momentary encouragement? I love this. I heard this earlier this week. Jesus is coming back for a bride that is completely sold out to him, that has completely given herself to him that the same way that he gave himself to her. Jesus is coming back for a bride that will completely give herself to him the way that he gave himself to her. Think, think of it this way. What happens when a bride walks down the aisle and gives her vows and, and gives her life to her husband? She is making a statement of all the three and a half billion Men in the world, she is declaring, I want this one and I'm giving myself to this one. In other words, she's saying goodbye to three and a half billion men and giving all of herself to one. And I love the way the, the, the pastor, the preacher presented this. He said, how many of us are stuck on old boyfriends and we're not giving ourselves completely to the groom? See, anything that would come between you and your relationship with God is just an old boyfriend. Let me put it in that terms so we can understand, especially for our married people. Anything that, becomes, that comes between you and God is a relationship with an old boyfriend or an old girlfriend. And we're not completely sold out and dedicated to who God is. Is this speaking to anything to anybody? And I love what comes next, up next. Jesus commands them, stop making my father's house a place of business. And right after that, it says that the disciples remembered what it was written. Zeal for your house will consume me. Think of that. Zeal 
will consume me. See, God is looking for a zealous people, that are people that are completely all in, that they believe, and all of their belief and all of their faith is in Him. There's nothing else in this world that can, that can come in between. There's nothing in this world that could take its place. They are completely sold out and zealous for the presence of God. What is zeal? It says, zeal for your house will consume me. Zeal is this passion, this desire, it's, it's, this, this, uh, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's an excitement. Think about it. When people first come to Jesus Christ, they are so excited. Oh, I found this hope. I found this joy. Let me tell you. And that's the thing. When you are so passionate about something, you can't help but talk about it. Right? Let me tell you. Let me tell you about some Jesus. Are we, so, are we passionate enough to be telling the world not even the world, our neighbor. Let me bring it closer to home. Our wife, our husband, our kids. Are we passionate enough about Jesus Christ that we're passionate to see the lost saved? To tell them the good news about Jesus Christ. Zeal will consume me. Some, some other definitions even say envy. I am envious of the presence of God. I need it in my life. I want it so much so that, that I crave nothing more than to be in the Father's presence. But it's not about what he can do for me, but what I can do for him. And it's about knowing who I am in him. In other words, it's transformational and not transactional. Transformational and not transactional. And this is what I mean by, by convenience versus conviction. I don't, I don't do things halfway because of convenience. I am fully convinced, just like that verse says that we broke out of worship with. I am convinced. There's nothing else that can sway my opinion. There's nothing else that can sway my belief. I am convinced about the love of God. I am adamant, adamant about believing in Jesus and accepting all that he is for me. And this is what I want you to see. Where, where all of this happened was the court of Gentiles. And this is why this is important, following Jesus and being completely sold out and following after him and knowing what you believe and being firm in your belief. This area that this happened, that Jesus comes and flips some tables, this is called the court of Gentiles. It's, it's an area of the temple that was acceptable or accessible to foreigners, to Gentiles, to, to the people that were impure, the people that were unclean. It was the outermost area of the temple. Y'all remember the, the illustration I did a few weeks ago about you had the blood right here, the altar, and then here was the wash basin that the priests washed their hands, and then over here was uh, the oil that they were anointed before they even got into the Holy of Holies. This was in uh, the holy place that all of that happened. Outside of that was uh, uh, the court of... Court of what? No, there was, there was like four other courts before you even got to the court of Gentiles. There was these different layers before you even got into the holy place. And, and, and I think the problem is so many of us, we know about the presence of God. We know about, about the house of God, but we're stuck out here in the court of Gentiles. We're welcome here. We're allowed to be here. But we don't make ourselves, uh, we don't pursue any further than this. After this was the court of ladies. The, the ladies were allowed in this area. And then there was another court after that. And then there was another court after that. And then there was the holy place, 
where the priests do all the offerings, where we talk about the oil, the, the wash basin, and, and the altar. And so many of us are stuck in the court of Gentiles, not moving into the presence and not moving into the house of God. In other words, so many of us are stuck in this area where we're doing business as usual, doing life as usual, where distractions or ex-girlfriends or ex-boyfriends or idols are, are preventing us from moving further. And so Jesus has to come in and flip those things in our life and flip our life upside down so that we can move closer to the presence of God, to move deeper into his presence. And here's why that's, why that's important, because there's so many people, if you are the temple of God, if you are the house of God, you are the dwelling place of who God is, you have a court of Gentiles around you. You have people all around you, people that are impure, people that are foreign to the presence of God. So I have to ask you, are you living a life that is corrupted and not bringing people past the outer courts and into the holy place? A few weeks ago, I said that we are a meeting place. We are the dwelling place of God. Everywhere we go, people should be encountering the presence of God. Are we corrupting the presence of God by not moving deeper into where God is? And some of you might be saying, well, that was a court of Gentiles. The Jews could go, go in beyond that. So, pastor, I don't get it. Well, if we are saved, then we are grafted into the family of God. We are, are adopted. In other words, we start to live life in his name. And if we live life in his name, then we should be a little closer to the holy place and the holy of holies than in the outer courts, in the court of Gentiles in our life. We should always be pursuing and getting closer to God. And when you start to walk in that, when you start pursuing and getting closer to the presence of God, you start living in the calling on your life. When you start walking behind the cross and walking behind the rock of Jesus Christ. Remember, we talked about Peter, whose name was Simon, and it was changed to Peter, which means a piece of the rock. In other words, Jesus was depositing a piece of himself into Peter's life. He could now identify as one that was with Jesus, in Jesus, and Jesus was in him. And, and so this is what I love about who Jesus is and following the rock of Jesus Christ. See, sometimes we want to get stuck behind the stone of our sin, the outer courts, stuck behind the distractions and stuck behind the, 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 the corruption of our sin in our life. And we want to get stuck behind that. We want to get, we, 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 we identify ourselves in that moment. But I love what Jesus does. He, he comes and he as the rock, he dies on a cross and is buried in a tomb and the stone rolls away and our sins are forgiven. So in other words, he takes the rocks that we hide behind that keep us closed in our tomb, sin, and he rolls it away and then exchanges the stone with the rock of Jesus Christ and we follow behind him and we're not stuck in the tomb of the death of sin anymore. We move deeper into the presence of God. We walk in that favor, but that favor is not about entitlement. It's about enlistment. We are enlisted 
into the family of God. We are enlisted into the army of God. I love that idea of enlistment. Enlisted means uh, that we have successfully gone through the process of becoming a soldier in the U.S. Army. What's that process look like? We got to go through basic training. We got to go through advanced individual training, AIT. Maybe you, maybe you go to airborne school because you're like, hua. Right? If you don't need to go to airborne school, you're not hua. So we send, anyways. So we become enlisted. In order to become enlisted, one, we have to go through the process of enlistment, but we also have to take an oath of enlistment. I do solemnly swear or affirm to uphold the Constitution, defend it. You know what I'm saying? How many of y'all military, you've done it before? We take that oath of enlistment. It's the same thing when we are enlisted into the body of Christ. I believe, Jesus, that you died on a cross for my sin. And I confess my sins to you, and I know that you are faithful to forgive my sins. And I believe that you are my Savior. We are enlisted. That's our oath of enlistment. And then we have to go through the discipleship process, the basic training of becoming a believer. And then, Stephen, sometimes we, we, we go through advanced individual training, and we have access to some things that people don't have access to right? And that's what I want you to see. We have access to things that people don't have access to. They may have been enlisted. They may have gone through some training, but they didn't go through what I went through, Stephen. They didn't have to go through the grueling process that I went through to get my access to these things. And so as a Christian, you, you go, your intent should always be to gain greater access. To always have access to something deeper and more. But see, in the army, you got to keep it to yourself. But as a Christian, you're supposed to be telling everybody. Everybody. Let me tell you about some Jesus. This ain't top secret. This is unclass. I need to tell you about this. This, yeah, this is it. Let me tell you about this. Amen enlisted, and when we begin to, list, to live in that enlisted life of, of doing Christ, living in Christ Jesus, we can do things in his name. We can live a life of grace and mercy. We, we can fight from a victorious mindset in Jesus Christ. But some things have to change. In the army, we don't just give access to everybody. And so we can't expect to just go through basic training and have access to everything. We should always be striving to go deeper, always pursuing more. Amen? So I'll ask this as we close. Are we living a corrupted life that is confusing people in the outer courts? Or are we showing people that Christianity is all about convenience? Let's just try to fit Jesus into our schedule. Let's just try to fit Jesus into my life, my family, rather than immersion, are we living a life of convenience or are we living a life of conviction? I want to ask our, our team to come up, our worship team to come up and help me close out. I want to close with this. You can stand with me as we close. I told you it's going to be short today. I want to close with this. I, I want us to look at this. Caleb, this is kind of what we talked about Wednesday night. In the Old Testament, the meeting place, the dwelling place of God was the tabernacle. 
it was this huge tent. There was a tent of meeting, and uh, that was kind of like the holy place, and that's where the presence of God would come. But it was a tent. It was, it was mobile. If you read anything in, in, in Exodus and Leviticus and Deuteronomy, the, the, the presence of God would come down like a pillar of cloud during the day or a pillar of fire at night, and it would move. And all of Israel would pack camp, pack up this tent, this tabernacle, and follow the cloud or follow the pillar of fire. And when it stopped, the fire of the cloud stopped, then they would stop and they would set up camp. They would set up the tabernacle, the tent, and they would wait and they would dwell with God. God would come down and dwell in the tabernacle. And the pillar of fire, the pillar of cloud would come again and, and, and move and they would pack up camp and they would move. They were constantly following the presence of God. We fast forward to David. David's like, I wanna build you a temple. You shouldn't have to be in this mobile place. I wanna build you something elaborate. And God's like, well, you can't do it. You have blood on your hands. I'm, I'm summarizing all of this. But your son can. So Solomon builds a temple. We hear Solomon's temple. Solomon builds this temple. It's, it's beautiful. It's elaborate. There's gold everywhere. It's amazing. But it became sta stationary. If you know anything about things that are stationary, they become complacent and stagnant. And complacency is what built this corruption. Over the years, by offering uh, uh, these, these subpar sacrifices, the corruption began to build and build and build and build. And this is what I want to encourage you today. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. You are the temple of God. I want to encourage you to always be on the move following the presence of God. If God says move, you say how far? If God says jump, you say how high? If God says speak to that person, to tell them about Jesus, you say, hey, Jesus loves you. Sometimes that's all it takes. If you hear Jesus say, hey, you need to pay for that man's meal, do it. If you hear Jesus, if you hear the Holy Spirit prompt you and say, hey, you need to give that guy your five-gallon tank of gas, can of gas that's in your garage, you don't know how much that might speak to somebody, especially right now. Or if you have extra Chick-fil-A sauce in your Tahoe. <laughs> and this is what I love. Jesus came to tabernacle with us. We read John 1.14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. He tabernacled with us. And all of these people began to follow Jesus. They began to follow the pillar of fire that Jesus was. They followed the, the cloud that Jesus was. They followed him. And this is what I love. After Jesus ascends to heaven, in Acts chapter 2, we see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And clothing tongues of fire rested on each and every person in there. They became pillars of fire. Because the Spirit of God rested on them and in them. And that's the power of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. You become a beacon of hope that can point people to Jesus. And just like Israel followed the pillar of fire by night, 
So many people that are living in darkness right now need a fire to show them the way. Can you be that fire? Will you be that fire that points people to Jesus? Or are we living in a corrupted lifestyle that puts off a fake flame? Or a flame that's lit on Sunday and gone by Monday? See, God is looking for people who are all in, who will give their all. The dangers of setting up a permanent place will always lead to convenience and stagnation. But a following place, a dwelling people, will always follow the presence of God. Zeal for his house will consume me. Zeal for where the presence of God is will consume me. Completely immersed. Everything I do is about the presence of God. Everything I do is about promoting the presence of God. Telling people about Jesus. Everything I do, everything I say. Not trying to fit him in. But following him completely. Some of you might be saying, well, Pastor, how? How do I do that? Well, I love what Jesus says in Matthew. We see this in Matthew as well, where he comes into the temple and overturns some tables. He says, my house will be a house of what? Prayer. How many of us are talking about God, but not talking to God? If you want to be a dwelling place, a house of prayer, a house of God, you need to be a house of prayer. Not a house of transaction, not a house of business where it's all about me, but where I'm completely sold out and given to him and I talk to him daily. Could you imagine being in a relationship, maybe with your husband or with your wife, your spouse, and all you do is wake up, you talk to him for 30 seconds and you don't talk to him at all for the rest of the week. That's not relationship. Or how about you only talk to him when you need something? Hey, uh, imagine if I looked at Adrian just once a day and said, hey, Adrian, uh, I really need some dinner right now. Or she looked at me and said, hey, hey, Rob, I, I just really need you to go fill my gas tank. And that was the only communication we had in life. That's not relationship. That's abuse. That's misuse. How many of us are misusing the name of God? Talking to him requires more than just asking things from him. It's sharing our life with him, inviting him into our life, inviting him into our situation. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for inviting us to go deeper, challenging us to go deeper with you, to move beyond the outer courts and into the holy place. And God, to take uh, that presence that's in the holy of holies and take it out to the people and bring them into the holy of holies bring the Holy of Holies to them, to be that beacon of hope, that fire of passion that points people to you. Father, I pray today that if this is a day that, that you have made, then we know that there's some things in our life that needs to be upended. There's some things that need to be directed to you and uh, things that need to be loosed from our life. And you've made this day especially for that. So I pray, God, that there'd be nobody who leaves here the same way that they came in. This is their day 
to leave idols at the altar, to leave distractions at the altar, to leave sin at the altar, to leave things that keep us outside of the presence of God, to leave it here at your feet today. And to leave here completely new, following hard after you. Give us that passion and that zeal to be consumed by your presence. Jesus' name. Hey, thanks again for tuning in to this week's message from Reclamation Church. We pray it was a blessing to you. We want to encourage you to take this message everywhere everywhere with you and pour into those around you. And if you would love to be a blessing to the Reclamation Church ministry, you can easily give at our website at reclamationchurch.faith. Scroll down to the bottom and click on online giving. Or you can even text to give any dollar amount to 84321 and set up a giving account with Reclamation Church. Again, we pray that this was a blessing. Be a blessing to those around you this week. And may God bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you. Be gracious to you with the light of his countenance and, be, uh, and give you peace this week. Amen. Be blessed.